0: If you would, open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2. Dr. Weldon had the opportunity to get all of his children together in one place this weekend, which is rare for them, especially since they have one of their children overseas. So uh, they're they're together, they'll be back uh, this evening, and he'll be back in the office tomorrow morning. But now uh, let's uh, give our attention to the reading of God's word beginning in uh, Philippians 2 in verse 1. Remember this is the word of God. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God Something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth. And under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray together. Lord, we come to you this morning and we ask that your spirit would open our hearts and minds and teach us wonderful truths about you from your gospel. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. A few months ago, Wendy and I had the opportunity to be with a few other families here from the church, and one of our covenant children was about to celebrate a a birthday, and Wendy asked him what he wanted for his birthday. And he thought for just a second, and he said, I would like to have my own world, and I would like to be in charge of it. We all laughed also, and then... We began to talk, and we said, "You know what? We've had similar thoughts before. We we would like to be in charge of everything that's going on all the time. And I think, if we're honest with ourselves, we'd all would admit from time to time we would like to be in charge of everything that's going on." See, the reality of it is, we love ourselves. We love ourselves. And we think we should have what's very best for us at all times the way we think it ought to come. We think others ought to show us respect at all times, no matter what. We can be driving down the road, and if we come to traffic, we think we should be allowed to merge as soon as we get there. And then as we go a little bit further, if somebody wants to merge in front of us, we want to be able to decide if they're actually worthy enough to merge in front of us or if they should have to wait a little bit longer. Right? When we go home, you know, we go home, and and we think our spouses ought to treat us with respect and honor and praise, no matter what it is that we might say or do around our homes. You know, those of us that are parents, we want our children to to, to hang on every word that that we say, and and we want them to, 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 to look at us and say, Dad, it, it's an honor to live under your roof. I mean, that's just the way we're wired, is, is we want to be loved and respected by those that are around us. You know, we make ourselves king and queens of our own little worlds, and then we get upset when others refuse to bow their knees to us. And the reality of it is when we seek such a status, we're actually settling for far less than what God would want us to. Paul Tripp says that we need to avoid falling for the big lie, and that Satan makes things that are less actually seem like they're more. And when we go around thinking that we should be in charge of everything that comes our way, we are buying into the lie that Satan and this world and our sinful natures are trying to sell us. Because we're taking what is less and we're thinking that it's more. For the truth of the matter is, serving is better than being served. Humility is better than power as we've been looking at our our sermon series here out of Philippians the the rejoicing church we looked in chapter 1 and and we said that we wanted to be people who had their hearts centered on Jesus and if we would do that then we would be people that were passionate about sharing the gospel with all that we'd come in contact with and in chapter 1 Paul was pointing out to us the importance of that no matter what was going on In our circumstances, we should rejoice and we should want the gospel to go forward. And that if we had our heart centered on Jesus, that no matter what happened, even death itself, that we had nothing to fear, no matter what might come our way. You know, Christ calls us to be risk takers for him. And living lives of humility sometimes is being a risk taker. In chapter 2, Paul gives us a very clear picture of what this selfless living ought to, look at, ought to look like. So let's look at, again, verse 1 here in chapter 2. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. You know, Paul's words here sort of have a sense of urgency to them. He, he uses that phrase, if any, over and over to, to catch our attention. You know, these are, these are words that, that should reflect the way that we, we think as Christians. And if we're thinking this way, Paul tells us that the result is going to be unity within the body. Being united in Christ leads us to a place where our relationships can actually flourish. You know, why are the normal things in everyday life such a struggle? Why is communication so difficult? Why do relationships often end up disappointing us? Why do We all, from time to time, struggle with anger. Why do we all want to be in charge of our own worlds? Well, Paul gets right to the heart of the issue here in verse 3 where he says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. As Christians, we're called to live lives which are different and radical to what the world is teaching us. And what our sinful nature sometimes will desire. When you really think about it, this is one of the most radical statements that, that we're going to read anywhere. That we should consider others better than ourselves. It's given to us in, in the form of, of a command. It's It's not... Think about maybe doing this. We're being instructed, this is the way it is. And sometimes we look at that and we go, I I just can't do that. I know I can't, so I'm not even going to try. Well, how different would your life, your marriage, your workplace, your school, your friendships, how different would they be if you actually applied this verse to your everyday life? You might be thinking, well, that sounds great, and I might want to do that, but, but I know myself. Like you said already, I love myself. Well, Paul knows that. He knows we love ourselves. Look at verse 4. He says, each of you should not look, only look to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. He knows we're going to look out for number one. But if we're truly going to be the rejoicing church, God wants us to be people ...who are going to be looking out for the interest of others. We need to be risk takers and challenge ourselves to look out for others. We're going to need to do more than just look out for ourselves. That's why we have Operation Compassion going on this week with our youth. Going out serving others in the community, not just thinking of themselves. That's why we have Vacation Bible School going on this week... I tell you, life would be a lot easier around the church and a lot easier around my house if we weren't having vacation Bible school this week. But you know what? We we need to. It's not about us. It's about reaching out to others. And see, what it says is that we're to look out for the interest of others. You know, sometimes it's easier to do that on one given week. We can all get geared up for Operation Compassion. We can get geared up For Vacation Bible School, we can go on a short-term mission journey. But the call is to live our lives daily, radically different than what the world teaches us, and to be risk-takers and to watch out for the interests of others. And when we think to ourselves, well, I just can't do that, I I really, I want to, but there's just no way I can do that at this time, Paul gives us verse 5. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Folks, if we would memorize and if we would put this verse to practice, we would be the rejoicing church. We would be the attracting church. We would be the men and women whose hearts are centered on Jesus and have a passion for his gospel to go forth all the time. For what we're about to see in the rest of our text is Jesus shows us exactly how we are to treat one another and what the benefits are for us in doing so. You know, how we can look at others and not think, I could use them to do this for me. Or, I can use them for my benefit. We read here how we are to live the way Jesus would have us live. It's a challenge, and like I said, sometimes it's risky. Remember, Paul was writing this from prison. Eleven of the twelve disciples were martyred. There's hundreds, if not thousands, of Chinese Christian pastors in prison and being persecuted for living lives exactly like Paul is calling us to do so. So, why would we want to live a radical life like this? How can we possibly do that? Well, the only way to truly do it is is to see who Jesus really is. And Paul paints a glorious picture for us here in the rest of our text. Verse 6, he says, Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. And we had that great uh, call to worship this morning where we're looking at Jesus Christ as our creator, the creator of everything. Remember in, in, in uh, uh, Genesis chapter 1, in, in verse 26, we get a little glimpse of, of the, the Trinity conferring with each other. Let us make man in our image. And, and in John chapter 1, we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God from the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. Jesus Christ is the creator and sustainer of all the universe. All the stars in the sky. If you just would let your mind reflect for just a moment on the... The immensity of of creation. Billions of stars. And Christ knows every one of them by name. He created our world. The land and the sea and the fish and the birds. Everything that walks in the land. Everything that swims in the ocean. He created out of nothing. This is... The majesty of Christ. The second person of the Trinity is eternal, meaning he's always existed. And he'll forever exist. He's immortal and, in, and infinite. Jesus is immutable, meaning he's unchanging. It means that he's absolutely reliable and trustworthy. Jesus is just and he's all-powerful. He can do anything that pleases him. He's omniscient. He means he knows everything that's ever happened. He knows everything that's happening now. And he knows everything that's going to happen in the future. He knows what you're thinking even right this moment. And since he knows everything, his justice will always be administered fairly. This is our God. This is who Paul is talking about when he says being in the very Nature God. The Shorter Catechism says that God is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. Our creator, our sustainer. He's the only God worthy of worship. He, even as we're here this morning worshiping him, Christ is in heaven being worshipped by angels that he created. He's that wonderful. He is truly the king of kings. And yet we're told the same Jesus did not consider equality of God something to be grasped, something to be held on to. It's an important concept that, that we need to understand If we're going to live our lives of humility like Jesus, then we need to understand what it is that Jesus did. He did not hold on to something that was desirable. In this case, being God. Even though he could have, it was within his right. But instead, he humbled himself for our good. N.T. Wright uses the illustration that if I had a $100 bill in my pocket, which I don't, but if I did... You know, I could use it any way I wanted to. It would be my $100. If I wanted to take my family out for dinner sometime, I could do that. If I wanted to go buy some new clothes, well, I could do that. It's mine. I can do with it as I wish. Or I could take that $100 bill. I could use it for your benefit. I could take you out for dinner. I could buy you new clothes. I, that's within my rights. I, I can do with it. As I wish. Christ took what was, what was rightfully his, being God, and he used it for our benefit. In verse 7 we read, made him, But made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. You know, we read here that he made himself nothing. The, the, the King James, remember, says he, he emptied himself. He didn't, not of emptying himself of, of being God, but emptying himself and becoming the full extent of, of, of becoming a man. By doing this, the second person of the Trinity, who we just talked about was worthy of all of our worship, made himself nothing. You know, look at these three phrases we see here in these verses. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human nature, being found in appearance as a man. You know, being, uh, taking the very nature of a servant. We, that word servant there is a word that we use a lot here in the church and uh, in different Sunday school classes. You, you know, that Greek word doulos, bondservant, slave. Christ became a slave for us. It shows the depths that Christ was willing to go to save his people from their sins. Being made in human nature. You know, Christ is truly human. 100% God and 100% human. You know, sometimes we we, we have to fight this this urge to say, God, you're not doing things right. I, I think I know better than you in this situation. Well, this ought to... Help us put that in a little bit of perspective right here. Because look what it says. That it's being made in human nature. Well, but made himself nothing. Being made in human likeness. You know, to, 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 to become nothing, he became a man. The gap between us and God is unbelievably big. And, and we should never try to tell God... He's not doing things right. We see this illustrated here. By by becoming nothing, he became a man. Making himself nothing, he became a man. Finally, we see being found in appearance as a man. This builds on verse 7. Christ did not just appear to be like a man. He was a man. Think of his humiliation. the, The God of glory, being born of a woman, coming and suffering the miseries of this life, you know, Jesus got tired, he got hungry, he was sad. As a man, he walked the dusty roads. He got dirty, got smelly, he got caught out in the rain, and he got thirsty. This is the one in whom all things were created. And if that were not enough, we see here in verse 8, that being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself, became the obedient to death, even death on a cross. Became obedient death on the cross. Jesus Christ came to pay the penalty of sin for his people. If you're here today and you do not know that Jesus Christ is your only hope for eternal salvation, I hope you will not leave here today without talking to me or one of the other pastors about what this means. He died a terrible, painful, cruel death because of his love for his people. You know, we constantly buy into the world's message to put ourselves first, to seek power and prestige and possessions. You know what? Jesus did not live that type of life. Humility is willing to serve others no matter what the cost might be. Christ gave his all when demonstrating his humility. Remember, we led into these verses by being instructed, we should have the same attitude towards others as Christ has for us. And if we do, not only will it benefit those whom we are serving, but it will make an impact on the world that's watching. Shane Claiborne spent a summer in the Calcutta slums with Mother Teresa. And he wrote in his book, Irresistible Revolution, that when he got back home, everyone wanted to know what was she like. What was she like? You know, people were just so fascinated with her. You know, did did she have a halo above her head? You know, did she glow in the dark? I mean, what was Mother Teresa really like? And he wrote, the one thing I will remember most about her is her feet. For they were mangled and discolored and, and, and grotesque. And I wondered to myself if she had... Leprosy or some other type of disease. One morning at breakfast, one of the sisters said to me, have you ever noticed mother's feet? And he said, well, yes, I have. She said, do you know why they're that way? No, I don't know. I'm, I'm very curious. She said, well, they're that way because every so often we'll get a box of shoes in. And she never wants anyone to end up with the worst pair of shoes. So she goes through the box first, and she picks out the worst pair of shoes for herself. And years and years of putting others in front of herself have caused her feet to be deformed. You know, serving others often is painful but because of Christ's willingness to be humbled to an greater extent than Mother Teresa. We know that it's the right thing for us to do. In verse 9, we read, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord To the glory of God the Father. The Father exalted Christ back to his original glory. There is no other place higher than being God. We're told that he has given the name above every name. The the name Lord. The name Jesus. At this name every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is. Is Lord. You see, folks, we're all going to bow our knees before Christ and call Him Lord, for He's the only one worthy of praise and glory, and honor and power. And we're all going to de- bow down before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It does not matter who you are, how much money you have, how much money you've spent, how good you think you are, or how bad. You think you are. We're all going to bow down before Jesus Christ. Now some of us are going to bow down at the feet of our Savior and worship Him. And others are going to bow down before the feet of their eternal judge. But everyone is going to bow down before the King of Kings. I don't know how many of you had the opportunity a week or so ago to uh, see any of uh, Michael Jackson's funeral. I, I was uh, busy thinking about maybe I needed to wash my dog or something, so I, I didn't get a chance to see it myself. But I did, uh, I, I, I did uh, read a little bit about it afterwards, and, and I was heartbroken with a lot of the things I read. One of our uh, great theologians out of uh, the entertainment world said she knew Michael Jackson was in heaven Because he was the greatest dancer ever, and she knew God would want that in his heaven. Another one said that, I know Michael Jackson is in heaven because he was such a good friend. Well, folks, dancing and being a good friend is not going to get us to heaven. In fact, as I read many different comments, I didn't see anything that looked like truth. Until the very last thing that I read in this news article. Said that the closing prayer was by Pastor Smith. And it didn't even give a first name. And it said this. And now the king of pop must bow his knee to the king of kings. And folks that's true. Michael Jackson has bowed down before the king of kings. The world tells us to take charge of our lives and control everything around it for our good. Jesus Christ is exalted because of his humility and we also will be upon our passing from this world if we are in Jesus Christ. Jesus says in John 14, we are going, "Where I go, you cannot go, but I go to prepare a place for you." We we know without any doubt that Christ loves us. And he wants to share his goodness with us. The promise of heaven is not an empty promise. Heaven will be a great delight for every one of us who claims Jesus as our Savior. We need to quit holding on to this world and thinking that this is the very best that there is. It's a lie from Satan. It is less and Satan tries to make it look more. The person who sees the big picture, who is willing to serve others now, no matter what the cost, is the person who understands what Jesus came to teach us. When we understand this, then we're ready to be risk-takers for Jesus. Remember, the lie of self-centered living and using possessions and others to get what we want on this earth will only lead to pain and frustration and fractured relationships, when we're willing to, to serve rather than to be served, we glorify God and we gain far more. For your, your next birthday, if you were given the world and the opportunity to be in charge of it all, would you spend your time serving others? on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray together.